that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a Thursday Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. We drove home on Wednesday night from Indianapolis, and we did two podcasts from Indy. One on Tuesday night, one on Wednesday night. So we're getting this Thursday pod up to you a little later than normal. But yeah, we had to sleep and uh, eat breakfast and research and do other stuff. So what we are doing, we are going to uh, discuss the Caleb Downs commitment to Alabama on Wednesday. And we are going to try to put this 2023 recruiting class as it stands right now in some context. There's another way that we want to put it in context and sort of a bigger recruiting picture that I think we'll save for next week. Steven was texting out some stuff about that to our tech subscribers on Thursday morning. So if you're a tech subscriber, you already know where we're going there. 614-350-3315. Just some research into like where they're really making some big hits and maybe where they're not as often doing that. But what we want to do today, we're going to look at the 2024 Ohio State football sort of projected lineups on offense and defense based on where they are now. And so that's a situation where um, that is the 2020 class would be fifth year guys. So all the best players will be gone, but there'll be some guys around 2021 players will be fourth year guys. Again, the superstars, the first, the first round draft picks will be gone. 2020 um, three class, which is like, what they're built now, right? No, did I do this one? No, 2022 class, which is the incoming freshman right now, the guys who are on campus getting ready for this year, they'll be third-year guys. So we know who's in that class. We know who's here. Third-year guys, always the heart of your team when you're trying to win a national championship. And then the 2023 class that they're currently assembling, second-year guys, certainly some of the best of them should be able to contribute by that point. You think about what JT Tuimaloa and Jack Sawyer and Denzel Burke and Tyleek Williams and guys like that are expected to do this year, right? We know what second-year guys can do. So this is giving us some context on how recruiting has gone. And I do think, Nathan, will give us a little bit of a window into where are they with 2023 and where do they maybe really still need to add some guys? Because when you look at the rest of where the roster will be in 2024, there might be some weaker, not weak, so Ohio State, not weak, but weaker spots where a little more juice in 23 or then in 2024, where you might have some first year guys coming into play right away, where they could really still use some help. Well, yeah, I mean, weaker relative to a national championship standard, right? That's, again, everything should be framed that way. And the, I brought this up yesterday as we were talking about how we should describe this or, or delve into this on the podcast, because I think sometimes when we discuss recruiting, it's easy to just look at each individual battle like, oh, they lost this guy to Alabama. They lost this guy to USC. This was a five-star prospect, and he liked Ohio State, but he went somewhere else. And sometimes those, it's almost like those battles – exist in a vacuum. And I think it's helpful to then apply them on paper to what the team will actually look like in those years to see what the impact is or isn't. We may also, I, I cause I haven't, I actually haven't done the exercise yet, but we're going to kind of go through it here in real time. And I'm curious to see, like, is it looking like it's dealing some body blows to the team they're going to try to put on the field in 2024 or not? And we haven't looked all the way out to 2025, which would obviously be, as you say, the third year for that, but that's, that's, that's really getting kind of, 
out over our skis a little bit. But I think 2024 is going to be an important season anyway, because we're building towards something so big for Ohio State in 2023. And then what do you do coming off of that when you are going to have a mass exodus of guys that we think are going to be highly talented? And Stephen, I think one of the things that we know happens and, and I think is reflected a little bit in this exercise is sometimes you have sort of a lull at a position, which creates recruiting opportunities because, hey, if you come here, you'll be able to play fast. So then that position goes up a little bit. And then all of a sudden you have a bunch of good players at that position. And then it's almost harder to recruit there because, well, you know, I'm going to be blocked by those guys. So then it goes down a little bit. Listen, there are obviously a couple positions at Ohio State that are just rock solid every year. We know what those are. But a lot of the other positions, Stephen, there is kind of an ebb and flow to it. And when we do an exercise like this, I think that comes to the surface. Running back's going to be interesting to do that with, just to point out one of those positions. I think the back seven is always going to be interesting when you do these types of positions, just because those are two spots where, especially running back, that answer could be in a true freshman or it could be in a guy who might still be on the roster. And then obviously the offensive line will be interesting just because we keep talking about how bad the recruiting has been. So I want to start on the defensive side of the ball. And I want to start at safety because not getting Caleb Downs on Wednesday is what spurred this. So the, the you're sort of the, not, and it's not a first reaction, Stephen, because you've been covering it the whole time and you certainly have a sense of it, not getting Caleb Downs. Let's, let's make it on a scale of one to 10, one being, you know, no big deal. You try to get the best players. Sometimes you don't get them. 10 being, whoa, that was really a guy that Ohio State could have used. That hurt. Not getting Caleb Downs. What would you give that as you think about it now? I give it a seven. And the only reason I'm not giving it maybe an eight or a nine is because Sonny Styles does exist and he's already in the program. Um, but had he not reclassified, we'd be looking at this a little bit differently because he'd be he'd be talking about a situation where Ohio State was trying to pull the number one and number two safeties in a class into one recruiting class. And so I'm not shocked by it. I wouldn't have been shocked either way, but it's a big deal because he was a top player on their board. But it's not it's the blow is lessened because of what's already on your roster and a guy like Sonny Styles and then what Kai Stokes has already kind of flashed in the what, spring. What would you have given it, Nathan, one to ten? Yeah, I mean, I think a minimum seven. Sonny Styles can only play one position. You're right, Kai Stokes has looked good early on. I think, though, there's a, there's kind of a um, like a multiplier here, like a degree of difficulty. I don't know how you'd say it, but like when it's the – you you've been going after these top-ranked guys, and it's the third one in two years that you came up just short on. You were the runner-up on a, a lot of guys, and they're all guys, by the way, who you either think you're going to end up playing in the Big Ten in 2024 or – almost certainly in a playoff in 2024 if you get there right it's Alabama it's USC it's Iowa like they may not play Iowa that year I can't remember but like all these safeties are going to be confronting Ohio State that year so I I agree I I think Steven's right I think seven is probably a good number because it it describes the uh, the impact but it isn't um, like you it created a, a crater you can't get out of and obviously we're talking about Xavier Wampa picking Iowa last year and Zion branch picking USC last year. That's three really good safeties that would have helped. Yes. A player can only play one position at a time, but it is kind of remarkable to me how much of a back end. I don't want to say savior, but like what back end medicine, Sonny styles is Sonny, like 
Sonny Styles makes a lot. He is the spoonful of sugar that makes this medicine go down a little bit. Like, because, and, and it's not like 2024 is the only thing that matters. But if we're talking about Caleb Downs, right? Caleb Downs would have been a star in the 2023 recruiting class. Okay. Well, would you have needed him to play right off the bat in 23? Well, I mean, there are just not a lot of true freshmen who immediately start at Ohio State, right? No matter how good you are. That is not that common. So it's not like they were saying, we need Caleb Downs to fix this defense in 2023. So 2024, that's his second year. That's your let's go year. That was the maybe the first year would have said like, okay, we're going to really see what Caleb Downs is about. And then again in 2025, which we're not talking about yet, he potentially would have been the leader of the defense. But this to look at this in terms of 2024, I think is interesting. Here's who I think anybody would think who took the five minutes to do this. Here's who the safeties could be in 2024. And we're going to decide, is this good enough? Kim Martinez, Lathan Ransom, and Court Williams could all be fifth-year players that year. And Mm -hmm. the paths that they are on, I think it is somewhat reasonable for at least two of those three guys to still be here. Because why wouldn't they be here? Well, one reason is because they're so good. They didn't stick around for a fifth year and they went to the NFL. And another reason would be they weren't happy in the transfer. Right. So I like that is interesting to think about. And then you would have Sonny Styles, who is the number 12 recruit in his class and Kai Stokes, who was the number 351 recruit, but has already opened eyes. They would be third-year guys, and Malik Hartford, number 164 recruit in the class of 2023, he'd be a second-year guy. So that's six names for three spots. Will all six certainly be here in 2024? Probably not. But I will say, Nathan, when I thought about that, that lesson to me, if I would have been, you know, I might have been an eight-and-a-half on Caleb Downs. Looking at it this way, lessened my Caleb Downs angst. How does this reality sit with you? Yeah, again, I think that's why it's okay to say a seven just because of the the talent that he is and the fact that he ends up at Bama. But that tells you that there may not be a crater in 2024. Um, However, there's a lot of ifs there still. Well, but but what are the ifs? But what are the ifs? So like if all those guys get there, if if Cam Cam Martinez, well, but listen, okay. So I'm, I'm going to de- this is all an if exercise. Yeah. It's two years from now. We've right. got so. we we have to de if this. Like the point of well, what if that doesn't happen? Okay, like let's just lay that out there. Maybe all these things won't happen. But this is not like crazy person talk. So like I'm 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 saying like I don't know. Probably all three of those guys don't get to the fifth year. But like these are six options, Nathan. I, I just don't want to have every conversation be well. What if that right. doesn't happen? It's like yes, I know, we know. But like this is this is where the holes here, where 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 the big things that you that you think, no, that's not happening or like there's there's a hole. Is there still a hole here at safety or do you think it's reason? And let's just have this exercise. We're going to vote as we think about this. We think about the 2024 safeties, what we're just laying out. Good enough, not good enough. That's our only thing. That's how we're going to vote on this. So, Nathan, as you think about it. Not knowing the future, is it good enough or not? I think that looks good enough. Because I would think at least one of the fifth-year guys is still here. I think that's well, reasonable. I, I think 
here is one thing, but I also think it's reasonable to think that one of those three guys is a dude also. Like, could be a dude that's still here. That They might be right in the perfect dude spot where they're dude enough to matter, but not dude enough to have gone to right. the NFL yet. I mean, so the Zach Harrison theory. Of, well, yeah, it, but now that, but this is year five again for these guys. Yeah, it's year asked, five of it. Yeah. That's it's asking a little bit more. It's asking a little bit more, but Lathan Ransom Fair. had a serious injury. Right. Cam Martinez was a high school quarterback. Who's making a, who's mm-hmm. been making a position switch. Court Williams had, a, had a major injury. They've yeah. all, they all sort of have reasons where they might want to stick around for year five, because year five might be where even though they've been good, they really show who they are. And here's the balance because, and, and I understand I, I'll be arguing against myself at some point because depth would be an issue, but it's kind of one of two things. Like either somebody from that group is a, a dude that can stick around for five years, or as you alluded to, one of the reasons they might not stick around for five years is because Sonny Styles and Kai Stokes are both so good by next year. Right. And they feel like there's no room for us here. And now but, you've got a third year for both of those guys, like in their prime. And as we sit and do an exercise where the 2022 season has not yet started, and we're talking about the 2024 roster, I'm mostly concerned with the starters. Like, do you think you can put 11 guys on each side of the ball without Mm -hmm. major changes right now? You know, okay, so that's six names. Well, what if two of them aren't here? Okay, well, what about the depth? It's like, okay, well, I mean, you fill in. It is good enough. Steven, what do you think of that group? It's a pretty decent group. I think it's good enough. Another name I'll throw out there, just because he'll be in year two, and he's a corner, but I think he might end up being a nickel when he gets here, is Calvin Simpson Hunt, the uh, flip from Texas Tech, who is, you know, Climbing up the rank, he's the borderline top 100 recruit. He'll be in year two. Uh, that's another name to throw out there for the nickel position. But, yeah, I think that's a good enough group, especially if Sonny Styles is what everybody thinks he is and Kai Stokes continues on this path. So if you said, like, hey, who were the starters? Like, oh, it's Kai Stokes, Sonny Styles, and Cam Martinez. Or it's like, that's oh, who are the starters? It's Sonny Styles, Court Williams, and Lathan Ransom. You know, like, I think like you could do a couple different things mm-hmm. here. And then, like, hey, you know, you know, Lathan Ransom's not starting, but he's this guy that is just really valuable to the program. He's stuck around. He's a great leader. He plays in certain, you know, like, I just think there's enough there. I think we're all voting good enough. So, which, again, we started the exercise by saying they missed on three major safety recruits in the last two classes that in the silo, Stephen, in the moment, hurt. But we are not looking two years into the future at what we think is a decimated position group. So that, that, you know, that that's enough. If this was a, if this was another kind of podcast, that would be the podcast. How much will Ohio state miss Caleb Downs? We investigated it. We talked about it. It was a solid 17 minutes and we're out, but we're going to do this like nine more times with nine more position groups. Yeah. But, but I, I don't know. For, I didn't know for sure coming in Steven that, the result of the safety room would be, yes, it's good enough in 2024. Yeah, but I almost want to throw another thing on the voting part here of there's not good enough, good enough, and is it elite? And that's what you're talking about when you're missing on five stars and top 50 recruits is what makes this, you know, when we get to 2024, are we saying this the safety group is one of the best safety rooms in the country? But, but isn't that what we're saying? We're, good, we're talking about good enough to win a national championship, right? Being good, enough, yeah, but that doesn't. I mean, I don't think every position group has to be elite in order to win a national championship, right? No, I just think that you have to have one group that's elite, and I just wonder where we're going to see that group, especially on this defense right now. 
2024. That's why I wanted to add it. Because even 2019, yeah. like the linebackers, the linebackers were good enough. They weren't elite. That wasn't an elite linebacker group. They were just good enough. But the defensive ends were elite. The corners were elite. So it didn't matter. That's that's all I'm saying when I want to throw that category in as well. Okay. Now, I will say that this exercise also, though, does tell us that safety is going to be a massive need still priority for 2024 because we've got three fifth year yes. guys and two guys who could be stars in their third year. Right. And yeah. vacating that position group. Yes. And, and I know we're not going too far into yeah. that direction, but uh, that also plays uh, into why Caleb Downs is a, and, and the two last year would, would be a factor. And also if you're going to have a safety driven defense, safety should just be like priority number one, two or three every year at this point. Cause that you might as well just bring in what you can bring in. And if guys leave guys leave, but you need as many safeties as possible in a defense that wants three of them out there. And to the point, Stephen, you know, I think, you know, you noted to the textures, you were kind of asking Ryan Day about this. Jim Knowles says it's a safety driven defense. We don't know what that looks like. The recruits don't know what that looks like, that that mm-hmm. if they really if it really turns out this defense absolutely needs great safeties to be great. And this year shows that then you your pitch to all those safeties mm-hmm intensifies a little bit and maybe then it helps you land one of these guys. All right, let's do linebackers because I, again, found this interesting. Frankly, they're just like a little light on numbers, right? At linebacker mm-hmm. last couple of years. Yeah. Here's what I have. I only have four names down. CJ Hicks in year three, number seven overall recruit in his class. Gabe Powers in year three, number 101 recruit in his class. Cody Simon in year five, Number 75 recruit, not a sure thing to be here in year five, but I don't think a sure thing to be out the door. I don't know. I mean, we're going into year three of Cody Simon. I, would Cody Simon be drafted right now? I don't, who, I don't, I don't know. Like, if, so like, I don't, he could be, you know, like exact, like one of those guys that is around for a long time and is a good college football player and sticks for year five. I, that's why I put him on the list. And then Reed mm-hmm. Carrico in year four, the number 87 player in his class. So that's four linebackers who in their recruiting class were ranked 7, 75, 87, and 101. But there's not a lot of other names to even throw out there. But Steven, does that, I mean, headlined by year three, I mean, who? year three CJ Hicks might be AJ Hawk, Ryan Shazier, Chris Spielman, Peppers, like, like the next great Ohio state linebacker at a position where you kind of only need two. that's a heck of a place to start. So does this feel good enough, Steven? Good enough. I'm going to borderline elite it because CJ Hicks is all you need is one. (laughs) And uh, especially in this defense where they're only playing two, you just named, I mean, you got a starter at Mike and Cody Simon, a starter at will and CJ Hicks and their backups are Reed Carrico and Gay powers. That sounds like a pretty decent group. You're talking about basically four top 100 recruits and one of them is a five-star who might be, as you just said, A.J. Hawk, Ryan Chase here, basically what Ohio State hasn't had in 10 years here. What do you think, Nathan? I would lean good enough here. It, it starts to look to me a little bit like you'd have a better perspective on me than this, but like we were talking about 2018 as we were talking about the uh, Ryan Day's like declaration of a top 10 defense and kind of comparing some of the recent defenses. And it was, it kind of dawned on me after we talked about that, that that was a season of just 
you know, devastating injuries up front on that defense. So it's elite until the elite guys get hurt. And then there's just nothing behind them. And I know that we're, I know we are focusing on the starters here and for good reason, but that was a, I, I'm curious how you, you view that. Like just if 2018, if you keep Bosa healthy and if Chase Young has a truly healthy season, how much that the ripple effects are there, you know what I'm saying? So are you one position away at this position from having a, a hole that brings down the whole defense? Uh, I mean, injuries happen that you, not many teams, you know, you lose Nick Bosa. There's no other Nick Bosa, even chase young that year. Wasn't Nick Bosa yet. And yeah, Nick chase was playing hurt. You're just not going to have another CJ Hicks. Like I, that hurts. That always hurts. So I do think, I mean, when you think about if this defense this year had a fifth-year linebacker who'd been like a starter for two years and was a top 100 recruit when he came in, and a third-year guy who was a top 10 national recruit, and they were like the two linebackers that they thought they were going to start, when as right now we think the two linebackers that are going to start are Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg, like you would, and they have 17 linebackers right now. I would take yeah. this 2024 group of four linebackers over the 2022 group of 11 linebackers every day of the week, right? So – I think we would say, no, this group of linebackers we don't think is good enough because who knows? Maybe there'll be enough guys emerge, but I like the talent at the top here, and I'd rather have talent at the top than a bunch of yeah. guys who seem the same. So, I, 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 one of, I guess the way, kind of the roundabout way I'm saying it is like, it's interesting what standard we're basing things on because like Jalen Waddle getting hurt should have been like a crater for Alabama. And instead just another guy wins a Heisman trophy and they, they win a mm-hmm. national championship. Like, so it's like, we look at things from what we think is an elite standard. And sometimes the goalposts keep getting moved on these sorts of conversations. Steven, it's good enough. I say it's, I mean, like we're all, we're all going to say it's good enough. Yeah. I'm going to put, I put a star for, if it's good enough, I put a star. I don't know what I'm going to put if it's not good enough. We'll have to see if we reach a position group that we think that let's do corner. Jordan Hancock and J.K. Johnson, two top 100 national recruits, year four. Mm. I bank uh, one of them. I bank one of them gets to year four. And so that I would won't be, say who yet till I see them play. Yeah, so you know they're not top ten national recruits, and they've never played. So I, you know, they'll be here as they enter year two and be like, wow, they're definitely never, there's no way they're here as seniors. I I think that's not a bad way to look at it. Think it probably one and who knows, maybe two, but you know who I don't have in here, Denzel Burke. I do not have year four of Denzel Burke. I did not put him on the list. So like, that's different to me of like, all right, well, that guy's laid down one pretty good year, two more. If he progresses the way you think based off his freshman year, I would not anticipate him being here. Year three guys, Jair Brown and Ryan Turner, Brown 192 recruit, Turner 341 recruit. And then you get to this 2023 class, Stephen. As you said, if Calvin Simpson hunts a safety, I don't know. He's listed as a corner now. We don't know. I mean, like we didn't talk about him all that much in the safeties. You brought him up, but we may as well think about him as a corner here. And then uh, Dijon Johnson and how do you say Lee's first name? Kyan, Kayan, Kayan, Kayan Lee. So Johnson was 93. He's 93 in this class. Simpson hunts 118. Lee is 178. So that's seven names 
two fourth-year guys, two third-year guys, and three second-year guys. They are ranked uh, individually 50, 73, 93, 118, 178, 192, and 341. As individual recruits, Stephen, does that feel good enough? I mean, it's decent. I'll throw Jermaine Matthews in there as well, 226 in the 2023 class. He's going to play corner when he gets here. They're really high on Canley, uh, and I'm kind of high on him. Deshaun Johnson, continue to keep an eye on him first and foremost because schools are trying to flip him, and Ohio State's put out some fires, but they might not be done putting out fires. It's it's sure it's good enough, but maybe if I said that linebacker is good enough, but like knocking on the door with elite, I'll say this is good enough, but knocking on the door of not good enough. So in a world where we're only really thinking about two corners, the, thir- the, the third-year guys for that year are not ranked super high. We're not ranked super high as, as recruits, right? So, but there could, you know, one of those two guys pops. I, and then the, the, the guys who were in the 2023 class, those are, you know, those are three pretty highly ranked guys. It really does, it really does matter, Nathan, sort of how those fourth-year guys shake out. Yeah. If we assume one's here and one's not, it's like, all right, one's here. He's been good, not quite jumped to the NFL good, but a good player. And then between everybody else, could you find another guy? I I don't think that's too much to ask. What's your vibe here, Nathan? If one of those fourth-year guys is back, not because he's not NFL caliber, but because he knows he can enhance his resume to be like the difference between third and first round or something like that, Yes, that sounds good enough to me. If that's not the case, I, th- I think it's a little bit suspect. Or if they're both so good, they're gone. Well, they're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, already. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, yeah. that goes yeah. without saying. Yeah, it, it is hard because when you're talking about guys who have never played, but were good recruits, it could go either way. They were too good or they weren't good enough. And you've got to thread that needle of good enough to help, not good enough to leave. And that is. Not always the easiest thing to do, but also it, it also happens. This is these guys are like Zach Harrison, right? Like that, you know, why is Zach Harrison back yeah. for year four? You know, like I think, you know, if that if one of those is on a Zach Harrison level and then you f- you fill him with somebody else, that's I think that's pretty good. I think that's I pretty think good. It, it's it's a little bit tricky because if this team's as good as we think it could be in 2023 and this defense is as good as it could be in 2023, it can pull a lot of guys. Yep. Into the NFL with it, like guys who are maybe borderline or wouldn't look as good in a lesser defense. I think that can sometimes one or two of those guys can get pulled along uh, a little bit. And I it's I think we should talk for just briefly about. So we've we've had all this consternation about safety and how they're not landing these elite safety guys. But you could argue that this is the position where Ohio State really needs to make a hit pretty soon. Like, because because of like an elite corner can change a defense, I think, more than an elite adjuster or whatever we're going to call it under Jim Knowles. Well, I, I do think so. So Jordan Hancock and J.K. Johnson are both, I think, again, we're going to sort of have a home run recruit conversation later. I think they both would fit that, Stephen, right? That they're both top national 50. Yep. top top 50 slash top 100 guys who are from out of state and didn't come here because they have family in Ohio. They came here because they want to mm-hmm. play at Ohio State and get to the NFL, and they like the coaches and they like their teammates. And so 
those two guys in the 2021 class, they kind of hadn't had guys like that for a couple mm-hmm. of years. And now do they have guys like that in 22 or 23? Maybe like Dijon Johnson's top 100 Calvin Simpson hunts a flip, just like Jordan Hancock was a flip. Maybe, but it's not like they got two more Jordan Hancock's and JK Johnson in yeah. the next class and the next class. And it's like, Oh, now we just get two top 100 corners every year. And now we're rolling. Like they're, they're not that yet because frankly, right. Steven, Kerry Combs was instrumental in getting Hancock and Johnson. And now Kerry mm-hmm. Combs isn't here. And now we have to see if Tim Walton and Perry Eliano can do this or not. Yeah. If they hold on to Johnson, he'll classify as that uh, Notre Dame winning the Christian gray battle. That's another guy who could have classified as that he's from Missouri. And then obviously the big one, AJ Harris, if Kerry Combs is still here. AJ Harris is a Buckeye. The moment Kerry Combs was gone. So are the chances of AJ Harris, quite frankly. So yeah, I think Tim Walton can make a statement this year with the way that, first of all, these corners on the field play and go, yeah, I'm like that too. Jalen Ramsey just wasn't blowing smoke out of his butt. And yeah. then we'll see how it works in 2024. And just to clarify, like I wasn't insinuating that that Hancock and, and Johnson didn't qualify as that, but the mm-hmm. clock started on those guys. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And And again, the coach who got them is no longer here. So now yeah. we've got to see it again, which again applies to there might be some idea to this defense has got to put some stuff, this defensive coaching staff and this defensive coaching scheme has to put some stuff on film. So the players that are recruiting really know what they're selling. They don't, Mm -hmm. they're, they're selling a little, this a little bit of a whisper and a mist here. Right. I mean, it's like, Hey, I'm a cool guy and we're Ohio state. Like I I get it. You Jim Knowles can show people game film from before, but it's it's not exactly the same thing. It's the fact that it feels like they've been selling this for a couple of cycles now, and we haven't seen it. I think you can do it once, which is what happened in the 2019 season. They were selling at the 2020 guys and guys came on board, but then they tried to sell it. Then Jeff Halfley left. And so now you've got to resell it again with Kerry Combs and it hasn't happened for two years now. And so at this point, if I'm a 17 year old and you keep selling me on a dream, it's like, dude, you sold me that year a year ago. I got to see it now. Actions speak louder than words at this point. So what is our official vote on this corner group? Good enough or not good enough? I, I vote no by, by the standard we're setting. Yeah, um, no. It's not a disaster, but I think no is the right vote. Like, is no, it- no with the chance to be yes, if some things yeah. go the right way, but... Right. Not much room for error, and even the top end top. I mean, the top end top end is Jordan Hancock and J.K. Johnson are both back as second or third year starters who are awesome. Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe those guys didn't go. But it turns out after the last game of the season, after Ohio State, you know, they got together in the locker room and Pinky promised that they're coming back together. And they announced and people are like, I think Ohio State might have the best pair of corners in the country because Jordan Hancock and J.K. Johnson could have been top 50 NFL picks. But they wanted to run it back one more time and see if they both could be top 20 picks. Holy moly. You know, not impossible. The Chris Olave thing where it's like Chris Olave was borderline first round and now he's a top 15 pick. Yeah. And, and so we've seen it. You can't count on it, but there is a little, there is some top end there to hang your hat on if it all goes perfectly. Quick break. When we come back, we'll get to the defensive line. Then we'll get to the offense next on Buckeye talk. All right, let's do tackles. 
I think this tackle group is pretty interesting. Ty Hamilton in year five, maybe. Tyleek Williams yeah. in year in year four, and Mike Hall in year four. You know, I mean, it's like you really got to pop as a tackle to go in year three because even like Togi, I popped in one year and went, but was only a fourth round pick. And he was like pretty good and a space eater and like did a very specific thing very well. And I'm not saying he made a mistake to leave, but it's not like if you're a third year tackle, unless you're, you know, some Georgia guy, some monster, you're, 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 it's not like you're going to be a first round pick as a third year tackle probably. So I don't think it's unreasonable that Tyleek Williams and Mike Hall could both be back as fourth year guys. And then hero canoe, mm-hmm. I guess. Right. Probably. I mean, I mean that he certainly will be here. Um, he's a freshman now, so he'd be a third year guy in that year. So those are the four guys I'm listing here. Nathan does, you know, Ty Hamilton was a lower rated guy, but he's been a productive player. And then my call number 53 recruit Tyleek Williams, 166 and was really good last year. Hero canoe 129. What do we think of that group, Nathan? You know, my inclination is that's good enough. I would feel a lot better about it if, it's probably my call. It probably, my call might be the key. Cause like if he graduates up to, we didn't get to see him very much last year, really at all. So if, if he graduates up to being that caliber of tackle that we've talked about, these other like nationally prominent defenses tend to have that we've seen from Georgia, that we've seen from some of the other teams out there. If he can get up into that sphere, then I think, this could be, I mean, it might be the best tackle group in the country for that year or one of them. I think the best thing that can happen for Ohio State's interior defensive line in 2024 is Tyleek Williams and Mike Hall are really, really good, but they're also overshadowed by the fact that JT and Jack are awesome. So, in 23, yeah. Yes. And so they come back where those two aren't in their way and it's like, oh, they were just as good. Okay, cool, 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 cool. But it, it, it's almost like how it was in 2020 where Chase Young is gone. Where's the pressure going to come from? And the interior guys kind of led the mm-hmm. way. Uh, yep. the, the other side of that argument is that those other two guys draw so much attention, double teams, whatever, that the tackles get to feast. This is true. Well, but but I do <laughs> think, but we, but it's easier for edge rushers to like make a case and, Turn themselves Agreed. in the first rounders in three years and in, in D tackles, though. But yes, that can also happen. Is that everybody's so focused on those two that these two eat? Correct. But without Chase Young in 2020, the Ohio State tackles, one of them was an All American and one of them was so good in his one year as a starter that he went to yep. the NFL. So yep. that, that did play out. And then it's one of those, well, Haskell Garrett came back. Tommy Togi, I didn't. Do you have? Could maybe one of Tyleek Williams and Mike Hall leave? Yeah, one of them maybe could. But I think generally, and then again, listen, this is a spot where they rotate, they fill in. The potential of at least three of these four guys being here, I do think this is good enough, right? Is that where we are? We think this is good enough? I think so. It would be nice if there were like like a stud in this class. Could that like, well, I guess what do you see as a ceiling on someone like Jason Moore? Steve. So let's not talk about edge. Jason Moore yet. Let's not oh, talk yeah, about I guess Jason he'll be Moore an edge. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's, I he got the, the guy you are talking about is actually committing a couple hours after we're recording this podcast. Uh, John Walker 
six three, three ten, top one hundred recruit out of Florida, who Ohio State had some momentum going into that June twenty fourth visit, and they had it going out of the June twenty fourth visit, and then UCF started chipping at it. And there's a good case that by the time you're listening to this, John Walker will be a UCF commit. I think it's good enough, but man, I really think they could use a D tackle in this class, this twenty twenty three class that had a higher ceiling than what we think is probably there for someone like Will Smith, which is their one D tackle commit in this class. Right. And mm-hmm. is he even for sure a, a tackle long-term? He's going to be a tech, a three tech long-term, okay. but he's, I mean, the best case scenario for him is the Davon Hamilton plan, which is what Ty Hamilton is on. You, you, yeah. You're a lower rated guy who spent five years developing and then maybe you pop into something. I think Ty is actually a little bit ahead of his brother. He is. Yeah. Cause and he was I, really good last year. I do think, that they're probably fine for 24, but it could it now it's light for 25. Because mm-hmm. if 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 Tyler Williams and Mike Hall are both here for year four, well, I don't know that either of them would be here for year five. And Ty Hamilton would also be gone. And now you have Hero Canoe, and it doesn't feel like they've done a ton at tackle in 23 yet. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden now you you got to get after it again. But I think they're they're fine for now. So we think the tackles are fine. Jason Moore who is somebody they just added big time recruit number 54 overall recruit in the class of 2023. I put him at end. So let's do the end thing again. Some of these that, Hey, Draymond Jones wasn't in and they made him a tackle and he was a great tackle. If you have too many good ends and you have a big physical guy who can handle it inside and Jason Moore might be on the, the borderline anyway, that's a great way to find a tackle. The edge rushers for 24. I only have four, four names here. Because I don't have JT Trumaloa or Jack Sawyer here. So that's not impossible for them to be here, but they're both going to play a lot in 2022 as second year players. And then Zach Harrison is going to be gone and they're going to be all over the place in 2023. And they were both five-star recruits and under Larry Johnson. I just don't know that we can count on five-star edge rushers being here in year four. Right. Well, recently, recently you can. I know, but that but also we sort of I'll take the track record of the five star is not going to be I'm here just, in year four. I'm just saying. But so they're not here. Somebody I don't think they're here. here. I, just, I didn't yeah, right. I didn't put them here. Cade Curry, year three, Kenyatta Jackson, year three, Amari Abor, year three. Kenyatta Jackson, number 60 guy in this recruiting class, this freshman class coming in, Abor 63, Caden Curry 123, Curry was in early, and then Jason Moore, number 54 recruit in the class of 2023. Nathan, those are the four guys I have here. That's three top 70 guys, and and they've said a lot of good things about Caden Curry since he got here in the spring. Does this feel good enough, Nathan? I mean, So who's the highest ranked guy out of this group? Moore's 54, Jackson 60, Abor's 63. So they're all right there. So again, and I'm always the one who pushes back a little bit on like the how desperately you need a five star somewhere, but no five star edge rusher. <clears throat> Mateo. <clears throat> Sorry, I was just coughing. Well, the guy that they people don't, don't know what you, yes. people don't know you said. Say what you said. Um, ca- coughing on a coughing on a podcast is not. I don't it doesn't go over said. well. Okay, no. that guy is keep an eye on Mateo Wiengaleye. That's their best chance at a five star in the 2023 class. DJ's brother, and DJ's little brother, and they're 
contrary to how some of the national guys feel, they're in a much better position. I mean, that guy's been here four times over the past years, and three of those times he had to pay on his own dime. And he's from California. That means something. But his brother has all that Dr. Pepper money, so that's okay. They, they, they can they probably have it's that true. to throw around. That's true. Um, big Cinco, big chain. Do, do you think they get him, Stephen? Yeah, I think so. I think it's the long game. I, I don't expect it to pop anytime soon, but yeah, I think it's kind of, we keep saying Larry Johnson's last hurrah because JT and Jack were supposed to be that. I think I think they can pull Mateo. Do they need to? This is what kind of Nathan is asking. How this important is, is that I, commitment? I think without yes. him, I would probably vote no. Yes, vote. and I think maybe you're not thinking like this, but part of the reason I'm going to vote no without him is I just brought up the 2019-2020 thing for the interior guys. I'm going to do it again for the edge rushers. They lost Chase after 2019, and they still had a lot of depth with, you know, Jonathan Cooper and Zach Harrison and Javante Jean-Baptiste and Tyler Friday. They had a lot of depth. They And Tyreek Smith, they right. just didn't do anything with that depth is what we're talking about here. Again, you named four guys. That's plenty of guys to rotate with Caden Curry, Kenyatta Jackson, Amari Abor, and Jason Moore. And, like, my fear is all that depth, and it still doesn't do anything. So, yes, you still need the five-star guy super who might be a superstar. Ken John Jackson's not here yet. He's an well, incoming he's freshman. Here. Well, he's here now. He wasn't here yeah, in the spring. So we haven't seen him. He got, came in June. He's a big kid. Do people not think that he might be special? I mean, like that's if we're asking, okay, so he's number 60 in the country. If he was number 30 in the country, he'd be a five-star. Right. There's some tremendous potential upside with him though, right? Yeah. Uh, I'll, First, Caden Curry, if Caden Curry grew up in Texas, he might be a top 50 recruit, but that's a whole different conversation. Kenyatta Jackson, watching him in the summer workouts when I was at these camps, that's a big kid. He looks like what Zach Harrison looked like when he first got here. And that body type is always intriguing if it matches out on its potential. So, yeah, I'm, I'm high on Kenyatta Jackson long term. And I'm intrigued by Curry, too, just because does he get used by Knowles in an intriguing mm-hmm. way that that adds a wrinkle to this defense that because we're still, I think almost looking at this through the conventional Ohio state defense. Cause we haven't seen the Knowles version of it yet. Well, but I mean, from a recruiting perspective, it's like, they still, they're going to play two ends and one of the ends might move around. So mm-hmm. I don't know that it affects my view of that. As I assess this all that much more was a big get. Right, that this was they. This was one of the guys they just got. That more, if we didn't have more, who's a top, who's the number fifty four recruit in the class of twenty twenty three. I mean, that we'd be saying, oh my gosh. But the other thing is, Larry Johnson often goes late with some of these guys. So mm-hmm. here we are. We're we're assessing the twenty twenty four roster while the twenty twenty three recruiting class is only half built, and often some of the guys that you're waiting on are edge guys that Larry Johnson is going to seal the deal on later in the process. So mm-hmm. there's never any like early panic with Larry Johnson's recruiting because time after time, after time, he's shown that he gets it done in the end. So, so we'll say not good enough right now, but if they get Uyunglele, then it's good enough. Like, is that where we are? Yeah. Because then it might, I think this is going to go from, from my standard, like not good enough to elite just because you have a five star. Because there's some good solid players, but is there, is there the, cho- the is Chase there a, Young Bosa? Is kind there of an standard? eight plus sack guy here? Yeah. 
I mean, as you described that, it looks, as Steven said, a lot like the defensive end rotation they've been putting out there the last couple of years, I think we would say hasn't been good enough. Mm-hmm. So we'll say no for now, acknowledging that they may not be done and they have a chance to make it good enough. Okay. Right. Let's go to the offensive side of the ball. Let's go to tight end. Good enough. I don't even know what you're going to say. <laughs> well, I think it might be good enough. I genuinely think it might be good enough. G Scott and Joe Royer is fifth year guys. And then Jelani Thurman as a second year guy. And Ty Lockwood as a second year guy. And Bennett Christian but, as a third year guy. Well, I mean, I, I didn't just list like, I mean, like, I, I get it. That, I, I know. Yeah. Like Thurman is the most interesting to me of the young guys. I know Ty Lockwood's pretty highly rated too. I guess Lockwood should be in there. I'm intrigued by what G Scott and Joe Royer could look like by year five. And does it seem like they could be here because like they're the tight ends now in year three. And we have no idea what they're going to do, but they both could be sort of three-year co-starters by 2024 who have established roles. One guy does this better. One guy does that better. Oh my gosh, they barely even, they don't have to do spring practice because they've taken so many snaps in their careers. And I don't know that either of these guys are jetting out the door to get to the NFL. So I would say like, are Joe Royer and G Scott, and again, we know Kate Stover's here, but like we've had a lot of discussions on the tight ends in 2022 going to be good enough, but by 2024, they might be because they're going to be like the same guys. So, and then throw in Thurman and Lockwood and whatever ever young guys are behind them. It's not like, but it's not like, Ohio State's popping with second-year tight ends, like setting the world on fire exactly either, right? I mean, that's not how this position has worked traditionally. What do we think of this group, Stephen? Potential here? Like, could this be good enough? I think so. Yeah, I do. What Especially do for what they want to do with them. Yeah. I mean, if you think 2022's tight ends are good enough, this will be a better tight end room than 2022. Well, I guess I would. Do we think the 2022 tight ends are good enough? I think no. Um, well, it's it's like the one position group where it almost it's the least important whether or not it's good enough. Well, that's right. Yeah. Oh, right. That, but that's like, always that's, that's going to be true like, in 2024, they, too. Correct. Like, are they good enough to like block for be inline blockers? I mean, I think Kate Silver is good enough to just be an inline blocker. I'd be surprised if we get to December and we're like, man, if they had just figured out the tight end room, how good could this yeah. team have been? Instead, no, we're going not- back to the Rose Bowl. But I don't know that we ever thought that. But I think we might get to December and be like, yeah, tight ends kind of average. Oh, they're fine. They don't oh, really I think I, I, oh, I think that right now. But it, do, but right it doesn't now. matter. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that anybody, as as for as long as, as before Cade Stover moved back to tight end, as much as we talked about tight ends, I don't know that we ever said it's going to derail the season. Right. But so I think they'll survive. But I, I don't think the tight ends will be especially prominent or awesome compared to many other parts of the offense. But but regardless, 2024, I would vote good enough. I think, I mean, this is actually a really, if either one of those two guys, G. Scott or Joe Roger gets to his fifth year and continues like a, the the development path that they've already started. I mean, Scott's really the really intriguing one, right? I mean, his, his ceiling is just yeah. potentially different. And if he sticks around for that whole time, if he keeps like developing physically, I'm just, I'm really intrigued by what that could look like if given the chance in this offense. 
Um, not that it's going to be a featured position that gets 50 receptions. I'm just saying it could be pretty fun to watch. And then all these other guys, again, I mean, it's a developmental position, especially at Ohio State. But I think there's you only need like one of those other three guys to be a guy by that year. And now you've got a good combination. Yeah, the only reason I threw up Bennett Christian is because, I mean, he's he already looks most the most physically ready to be the 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 inline tight end. He like for this year, he looks like he's physically ready. So now I'm projecting that out two years from now because that's okay. the more quite frankly, that's the more important position of oh, the two tight ends. For, sure. for so, sure, for sure. If if he physically already looks the part, and then you project that two years, I think they're good enough. Okay, I'll say good enough too. Quarterback. Kyle McCord in year four, Devin Brown in year three. Good enough? Steven, good enough? Yeah, even if I mean, I'm not sold that Kyle McCord or, will be here in 2014. And I'm, I'm more looking Devin Brown's starter and Dylan Raiola's backup. Dylan Raiola in year one, yeah. Yeah, um, that's good enough for me. I think even if it's that second one, I think that is good enough. I mean, if, if Ohio State does what we think it could do in 2023 and Common Court has a great season leading a national championship caliber team, it's, it's reasonable to think he may only be a one-year starter. But um, if he were, especially if he were to come back, it's good enough. I think regardless, I think that's good enough. I mean, we are in a situation, it's sort of like the, you know, the conversation around a place like Clemson right now where, all right, well, DJ is coming back, but if it doesn't feel right, then Cade Klubnik is a five-star true freshman who maybe gets the call. So like even the worst case scenario is, all right, I guess we're going to Rayola. And yeah. it's like, oh, who are you going to? Like the best quarterback in the class who's been committed to Ohio State for three years and yeah. like has like learned Ohio State's playbook in 11th grade and is ready to go. Like, like that's the worst case scenario. I know we've and- talked about the Big Ten quarterback renaissance or that there could be something building here throughout the rest of the conference but it's hard to see any year where like a hot state's worst case scenario isn't still the best quarterback room best quarterback situation in the big 10 and yeah i know we're judging by a national championship standard but i think that is probably still good enough and let's not always forget if Kyle McCord were to leave and they're iffy on these two guys being a a national championship starting caliber guy the portal is always there, and I think Ohio State is always going to be able to do interesting things in the portal if there's any kind of opening at all. I am not at the moment assuming Kyle McCord is a one-year starter and out, although, of course, Dwayne Haskins was. So he he, he could be. He could be, but it's, it's also very – Haskins it's rare. was, but he's I, also the cautionary tale of why guys maybe don't want to do that. Yeah, I, I, I think – it's it's as much about McCord as it is about what's going to be around him that might allow him to shine in that way. Because even with Dwayne Haskins, he had all those veteran wide receivers. Kyle's going to have a bunch of veteran wide receivers who are also five star top fifty recruits. And but both Plus, of those Travion Henderson as his running back to take some of the pressure off of him. Both of Kyle McCord in year four or Devin Brown in year three as the starter in twenty twenty four are both right on track. So either one yes. of those, you have an on-track starting quarterback. And if you if something goes wrong with the on-track starting quarterback, you have the five-star freshman. The number one player in the country. <laughs> so like that's – it's like, oh, hey, Ryan. Hey, Ryan, what if those guys aren't on track? What's your backup plan? I don't – this guy hey. who's been designing his own plays in math class for the last three years, him, that guy? Yeah, him. Well, and also, if Kyle McCord's back for his fourth year, 
and Dylan Raiola is still on this roster, there may not be a Devin Brown in the middle of that, but that's still good enough. Yeah. So either way, Dylan Raiola is his backup quarterback. Is what Probably. we're getting at here. I mean, I, I don't think Ryan Day thinks right now that Dylan Raiola is going to be the starter in 2024. No, 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 no. But that's not their plan to start the true freshman. But but if something got a little wacky, let's go. So yes, they get a star. Running back, Trayvon Henderson won't be here. Agreed. No, no year four for Travion. Agreed. And almost it's like that's he's he put a lot of wear and tear on his body as a true freshman last year, and so four years of I'm the number I'm a featured back. That is a lot of accumulation that you're not getting paid for. So the chances of him being here are infinitesimal. Evan Pryor in year four, 83rd recruit in the country. Dallin Hayden in year three, number 382. Mark Fletcher in year two, number 269. And they've tried to add somebody else in this 2023 class at running back, and it hasn't happened yet. There's room here for a 2024 true freshman on the Travion Henderson model, but we can't count that yet because it hasn't happened yet. Nathan, as it stands, what do you think? Is it good enough? My inclination is no. I know that they're high on Hayden and Fletcher being better than those rankings, but they always are. And we have to kind of just judge, I, I think, by the consensus here. And you're putting a lot of eggs in the Evan prior basket. Now, we've seen some good things from Evan Pryor in the spring and heard some good reports. Mm -hmm. And we may think about this very differently if we did this again in December. And we saw a whole season of Evan Pryor emerging as a true number two, doing real things against first string defenses. I think that would. But until I can actually see that my I'm on the no side of this fence. Steven. I'm going to say good enough because Trevion Henderson's attendance here. I think it throws off the thing with Evan Pryor. He's still a top 100 recruit. You're talking about a top 100 recruit in his fourth year at that point. I think he, I think a fourth year Evan Pryor can be just as impactful for that roster as what we know Travion Henderson's going to be as a year three guy in 2023. Oh, I would disagree with that. Yeah, I don't think but he I, has the same ceiling that Trevion Henderson. But I has. think a year four Evan Pryor might be as impactful as a year one Travion Henderson was which is what they put out there last year when they were trying to win the national championship, right? I could hear that. I could hear that, I guess, yeah. I mean, there's a I mean, reason why but listen, Steven, was- we uh, Don't we think Trayvon Henderson's going to be like a leading Heisman candidate in year three in 2023? Okay. Yeah. Like, we okay. think Trayvon Henderson's going to be the, like a, a first-team All-American. I Fair. don't know that we think Evan Pryor in year four is going to be a first-team All-American, Fair. but he might, he might be a really good Big Ten back. I, I agree. The year one, I'll agree with that. But then also, just for the sake of you know, throwing out some names for 2024, guys, uh, there's only one five-star running back in that class right now. His name is Jared Gibson. He goes to IMG, has an Ohio State offer. But I think the lead guy right now is Stacey Gage, who, I mean, people around him, he has told me and people around him have told me flat out that Ohio State's in the lead. He's the number two running back and number 41 player. And uh, so those are the two names to watch. And then there is one Ohio guy to watch, and that's Jordan Marshall from Moeller. He's one, number 195 and number 10 running back overall. And that's why uh, I'm always hesitant to make that five-star declaration. It's it you know there's only one, and if he's from you know regionally, it could yeah. be a, a tough it could be a tough pull sometimes. But I think Gage changes yes. the math here. 
but so Nathan, you're a no. Stephen, you're a yes, right? Uh, yeah. I think I think I think the point about Pryor in year four is interesting. You also have to keep him here, which. Right. But again, he Correct. came in with Trivion. He knew the deal. So if he has if he has a role this year, and if he really is your second back in twenty three, and they really you know. They're they're using him and he's getting 12 carries a game and it's like he's building up to something. I think I think there is a way that he gets to year four and like that's what he waits for. He, I'm here for year mm-hmm. four. I will give them good enough, but barely in a world where they want to be elite. And they're mm-hmm. I wouldn't yeah. say this is elite, but I think that's... it has a I think it has a chance to be good enough. I think we're we're close enough on either side of that fence to like give each other a high five. Yeah, I agree. They're either, mm-hmm. yeah, they're either barely not good enough or barely good enough, but not elite, but probably fine. Probably, probably fine. And, and frankly, probably like in a better position than they were, you know, in, in 2020 where Trey Sermon is showing up to like save the offense because we don't know what's going on at running back. Right. Like, yeah. I think I, this is better than that. And I, two things. Number one, I think adding Gage to this mix would push me back over onto the, the good enough side of this for sure. And then the other half of this discussion is what happens on this offensive line that we haven't talked about yet. Yes. And we'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. All right. We're actually going to do receiver before we finish with offensive line. I thought I gave you a perfect segue. I I didn't want to. I did. Well, I did the segue. And then when we came back, I just lied. The segue was done. But it was it. a lie. It was a lie. I still haven't ridden a Segway. There was like a, a, a rent-a-cop at Lucas Oil Stadium yeah. rolling around on a Segway the other day, and I've still never been on a Segway. I would like to do like a lot of places if you go somewhere like to a city to visit, they'll have like a Segway tour. I would rather start my Segway experience with, with a leader who is telling me where to go and making sure that I don't actually mistakenly go out in traffic. I think I'd rather it start it in like an empty basketball gymnasium so that I can just not run into things. Yeah. Okay. So year four, no Marvin, no Omeka. We good with that? Yeah. I think that's safe. Yes. Jaden Ballard in year four. And then, Z. and then it's just the four Brandon guys, Dennis. the four guys, the four guys <laughs> in the, in the current in the current freshman class who are receivers and the four guys in the current recruiting class who are receivers. So then eight guys in the 2022 and 2023 classes to choose from. And they are ranked collectively 21, 38, 57, 79, 88, 132, 151, and 262. Those eight guys. Well, I mean, I don't know. Is it, there even like a heartline conversation to have here? Oh, Brian like Hartline. The, well, I don't know if you're doing it. And then just like the three yet unnamed top 100 commitments they'll get for 2024. Like, right. But freshman receivers know they're not going to play. Um, it is like the the third year guys. So the guys, so the, the the current incoming freshmen at receiver, the 2022 guys, they're not as highly ranked as. Julian Fleming and Emeka Egbuka and those guys were right because it's Caleb Brown was 79 Keon Graves was 88 Caleb Burton was 132 he went down because of an injury right and Kojo Antwi is 151 Stephen but I don't know 
is anyone going like, oh, I mean, that's just who Heartline picked. And then this, the guys who will be second year guys, like you said, Brandon Ennis. Brandon Ennis is a five star, and he'll be a second year guy in 2024. Brandon Ennis might be, the, I think he's the best wide receiver in the country, regardless of what any rankings say, say. He'll be whatever rotation, whether it's three people or they play all six, he's going to be playing. Um, Carnell Tate, I, I got a chance to see him up close and personal uh, a couple of weeks ago, work with Brian Hartline. Very skinny. They said this is what Marvin this he looks the way we thought Marvin Harrison was going to look when Marvin Harrison showed up and not what ended up happening. So he's probably going to be in it. I think Jaden Ballard long term. This is where that payoff is, is in 2024 as that deep ball threat that we maybe haven't seen to that extent since maybe Devin Smith, even with what Chris Olave was. And then obviously Caleb Burton is probably in that rotation as well. And Caleb Brown is a slot guy. It's pretty quality. But I think. This might be the year where we start to see like a true six man rotation. If there's not necessarily a superstar, hmm. superstar, superstar yet, but there's six guys who are all dudes. And there's a chance that the most, I, the most talented guy in that group in 2024 is a second year guy in Brandon. Ennis. Right. Yeah. So he's not quite all the way what he needs to be yet to where he just needs to be on the field all the time, but he's pretty impactful for, with what he does. So good enough. Like if right? all six of these, yeah, if all six of these guys are as good as what Garrett Wilson was as a true freshman, I think that's a quality group. Well, the other thing is, like, and it's one of those six, you have four guys in 22, four guys in 23. They're not all getting to the end of the line because, yeah, there's, of course not. There's not enough, just like Mookie Cooper and G Scott and guys, Jamison mm-hmm. Williams and guys move around. So, but not much debate there. Good enough. Yeah. Good I enough. broke, I broke up the offensive line into tackles and interior guys. Let's do the interior guys. Now there are a couple guys that I have at tackle that could wind up in the interior. So actually let's save the interior guys. Cause I actually think the interior is almost more questionable than the tackles are. Let's do the tackles first. Josh Fryer in year five. Zed Machalski, who Ryan day brought up the big 10 media days in year four, George Fitzpatrick and Tegra Shibola in year three. And Luke Montgomery in year two, if in fact he is a tackle. They are ranked Josh Fryer 5'10, Zemachowski 314, George Fitzpatrick 244, Tegra Shabola 104, Luke Montgomery 45. I don't think there are any of the guys that I have in the interior that would then factor into tackle. There might be some of these tackles that would factor into the interior. That if somebody here is the third best tackle in 2024, they might be a starting guard. And they might be better at guard, but they might have to play tackle if the other guys don't emerge. Nathan, what do we think of this tackle group for 2024? I, I mean, I think, I mean, even if Montgomery stays at tackle, and I, that's still maybe a reasonable assumption. They like his length. They like where his frame can grow to, but it might be right tackle. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still looking at this and I'm like, all right, who's your national championship caliber left tackle? That's still where I am concerned when I look at this roster for 2024. It's the same as 2023. I feel like they still haven't necessarily answered that potentially significant question. So we keep doing this thing with Paris where it's like, what if he comes back to be a second year starting left tackle because one year isn't enough to make him the top 10 pick? I don't know. What if, okay, fine. What if Paris is a, is good enough to be a top 10 pick after one year and then Dalvin Jackson's their starting right tackle. I mean, starting left tackle in 2023. 
can't we just apply the same logic to him, especially since he's actually a guard who is now playing left tackle? That what if he's good, but not top 10 pick good, so he comes back and he's a two-year starting left tackle? And does that solve some of these issues if that's your left tackle and Luke Montgomery's your right tackle? Perhaps, I said tackle a lot in that sentence. Wow. I would I would think that by if Jackson did like emergency for 2023 move to left tackle, but is projected as a guard in the pros, that almost helps leave anyway. push him out early. Yeah, and like when we talk about Paris, we talk about like please, please stay. I mean, I I, I think they'd be in the same version of we think Donovan Jackson is going to be really good. This would be his fourth year in college, mm-hmm. and is does the please, please Donovan? I mean, possible, but I'm not. If he's here, well, okay, then. it might but, be easy to do that with a guy who's projected to be a tier guy because they got Wyatt Davis to stay for four years, and he was a five star too. That's Even true. Wyatt, never, you know. But Wyatt Davis also wasn't a starter in year two the whole year. Correct. Right. Yeah, so, that was more of like a tail end thing. I mean, correct. this is it's it's not like these guys look like they're bad football players. I don't look at Tegra Shabola and Luke Montgomery and Josh Fryer and think those guys aren't guys who can be on this line. But I question whether they can be left tackles. So you've got like you got a bunch of swing tackles. And then, mm-hmm. like, some lower-ranked left tackle guys. Now, that's not to say that Zen Michalski, who I thought it was important that Ryan Day brought him up the other day, both for depth this year and for if his development is, is good enough to get him there as early as 2023. This That team is better in 2023, probably, if someone else can be the left tackle answer and you can let Donovan Jackson be a monster mm-hmm. at guard, which is what he naturally would be. Or George Fitzpatrick, I mean, he's a top 300 guy. It just... I, until I see more of a real answer, it's like, okay, who's going to, who's going to block. What what are we talking about for 2022? It's like, can these guys, are these guys going to neutralize Will Anderson, whatever other big edge rusher they face. So who is stopping on this, which who's the left tackle on paper here that stops the 2024 version of that. I have questions about that. I think I would still say no for the tackles. People like George Fitzpatrick, might be athletic. Maybe he becomes it. You need somebody to pop. I yeah. think you need either beg somebody to stay or you need somebody to pop and maybe somebody will, but I don't know. Unless it's just like, Oh, Luke it, Montgomery. He's the number 45 recruit in the country. He has a year two. He's a year two guy ready to start a tackle. And Tegra Shabola is the number one Oh four recruit in the country. He has a year three guy ready to start a tackle. What are you guys talking about? We have two top hundred recruits as our two starting tackles. What's the problem? I don't know. That could be. It could be. And maybe I'm making too much of, of the the difference between left and right tackle. I, I do still think it makes a difference in college, but. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think it does. To, like to me, I could look at Josh Fryer and be like Josh Fryer in year five because they've had this before and I get stuck on it. But mm-hmm. Daryl Baldwin, Chase Ferris were two fifth year guys that were one year starters at right tackle. And when you have a really good offensive line and it's like, hey, you have a veteran guy who's going to do his job. They won a national championship with Daryl Baldwin as the right tackle. Do I think Josh Fryer in year five could be that? I do. Do I think Josh Fryer could be their left tackle as a year five guy who's never started before? Maybe not ideal. So I kind of agree with you there that I think you mm-hmm. really kind of want a star at left tackle. And if you have a veteran guy who's been around the block and works his butt off, then maybe that guy can be the right tackle. I, I think that's possible. And there's some names here, you know, so say it's, say it's Shibola or Montgomery as a left tackle. 
They're just higher recruits. And then it's Machalski, Fryer, or Fitzpatrick, who are all veteran guys who are solid as the right tackle. And you've got to have one out of two and one out of three hit to get you there. I don't know. Maybe that's not unreasonable to think that that would be good enough. I I could hear it, but I it, it, it's it's <laughs> it's you know we, everything here, like as you said before, everything here is a projection. Everything here is a we say somebody has to pop. Well, even at some of these other positions, the five star still has to pop, and they don't always. But when they're a five star, when they're top one hundred, when you have different degrees of of certainty that that could happen. And I don't, I it, Montgomery's the intriguing one that if we're just way off base here, I know that they think that he could still be a tackle and maybe he will be. I think it would just take another little jump from him to get him to left tackle, but we've seen it with Nicholas Petit Frere eventually getting there at some point of his career. If, if he could do that by, by that year, problem solved. This is such a Luke Montgomery t- discussion because it's, He's not big, but he's super, super quick. And that's what they're banking on is that he's a really elite athlete. And that makes up for the fact that he physically doesn't have it. But the problem is, like, I don't know if that quickness translates yet. Even if I've seen it in person, whether it's him working out with Justin Fryer or me actually going to watch him play football. And if it translates, then this is good enough because he really is an elite athlete. I just don't know if it translates yet. But and we're talking for the about sake of this exit. And we're talking, yeah, and we're talking about him in year two of that. So for the sake of this exercise, I'll say not good enough with a chance for it being good enough. If we get to see him a year from now, and even if it's garbage snaps and it's like, oh, okay, the quickness is there and it'll be there a year from now when they actually need it in real moments. I think it's close to good enough, right? Which if if you're through one five star in here, they had landed one of these (laughs) five stars along the way, it'd be good enough for sure. Well, if, if which, which I know is one of those things, but they've missed on some, but it's like, there's, there's a decent, this is a decent group, right? Yes. There's not nothing here. There's a decent group where you can look at it and say, could two of these five guys be ready to start in 2024 and be starting tackles that would allow Ohio state to be a national championship contender. I don't think you have to squint super hard to see that. Mm-hmm. Does it feel assured? no. But can you go two for five on a fifth-year guy, a fourth-year guy, two third-year guys, and a second-year guy? Can you go two for five? Like, I think there's a pretty decent chance that you can. So I would say I'm probably right on the fence. If you guys are leaning no, I'll lean no as well. But it is right there. We're sitting on – we're falling off the fence. We're trying to sit on it, and we can't stay up on it. What's the TV show – What's the TV show with the dude who's um, always up on the? F- you never see his face, but he's always like talking to. Oh uh, yeah, and stuff home the improvement. Like he's looking over the fence. Yeah, talking yeah, to him. He's that yeah. guy. Wow. We're, we're all that Steven guy. Means is the one dropping yeah. a nineteen nineties ABC sitcom reference. <laughs> That's yeah. the kind of thing I would usually. I mean, he's the defense guy. Uh, I, I think it's one of those things. Like I'm kind of sitting on the fence too, and then I try to imagine the 2024 version of. Will Anderson or whoever they would, you know, Aiden Hutchison, whoever they would face in a playoff. And then I kind of, I just sort of tip over the other side. Yeah. Back to no. It's close, but we're going to go no. I Will actually, Anderson bull rushes you back to the other side. No, he just so, like, he just like runs by and the breeze knocks me over. <laughs> I'm not that coordinated. So here are the interior guys. We got to find three guys here. And I still only have five names down. And again, maybe some of these other guys are slided inside. 
Jacob James in year five, Ben Chrisman in year four. Is it Hinsman or Heinzman? Carson Hinsman, Heinzman. Which one is it? Hinsman. Carson Hinsman in year three. And then Josh Padilla and Austin Saraveld in year two. Year five, Jacob James, he's an 852 recruit. Year four, Ben Crispin, he's 124. Year three, Carson Hinsman, he's 177. That was a big deal when they got him, though. He, everyone thought he was going to Wisconsin, right? And then two in-state guys, Josh Padilla and Austin Saraveld, 191 and 239. Do we think Josh Padilla is the starting center in year two, Stephen? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so either, too. It's I, either him as a, as, it's either him as the starter in year two or Carson might be the starter in year three okay. of his time here. But yeah, I, I, I really like Josh Padilla a lot. He's a, he's a little bit of a bully in there. So then, but we're looking for two guards here too. I am not sure about this, Nathan, uh, this, this group, I, cause it's still five names, but you really? need three instead of two. I mean, unless we feel like, are we good with it being Josh Padilla, Carson Hinsman, and Ben Crispin? Like, we're good. That's good enough. We're good. Those are the three. Padilla's 191. Hinsman's 177. Crispin's 124. The second-year guy, a third-year guy, and a fourth-year guy. Let's roll. All makes uh, sense. Everybody's Sarah on Bell track. As like the, the backup of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with that. What do you think, As, as a national championship caliber offensive line? I mean, they've had higher rated guys than this, right? I mean, you think about Josh Myers yeah. and Wyatt Davis and Donovan Jackson, even where Matthew Jones was really, was rated and Luke Whipler. They've been running through. I mean, the, the issue has been tackles, but they've been running through. Like their interior guys are all top 100 recruits, none of whom have to go early. Luke Whipler maybe had to go a little early because of Harry Miller, but not super early, and he was ready. So I'm... Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I, it's below that. It's below what we've seen the past couple of years. Does that mean it's not good enough? I'm not sure. Go ahead, Nathan. I just I, I tend to say no, just because this is and I've only got these four years of of perspective up close with Ohio State football. But this is not the makeup of an Ohio State offensive line to me. And I know it's it. I'm, I'm the first one to say, well, you can't just go by recruiting rankings or such a thing as development. But you're talking about guys second or third year who aren't coming in in with the same consensus level of skill or strength or size or whatever that makes them higher ranked recruits. And we're talking about national championship standard here. And so my inclination would be not good enough. But we're also not talking about a bunch of dudes in the 300s hoping to pop. I mean, these are top 200, like Ben Christmas, 124, Carson Hinsman's 177, Josh Padilla is what, 191. It's Top 200 guys. So I'm yeah. and later in their careers who don't we're not asking them to do what Harry Miller and Luke Whippler did as like guys who are ready to go in year two. Other than Josh Padilla, we're asking the other two to do so in year three. So I in four, I, I, I'm a little more comfortable with top 200 guys in year three and year four being ready to go. And it's not like I mean, if you're the number 191 player in the country as an interior offensive lineman. It's not like you're the 43rd ranked interior (laughs) offensive lineman. They're not putting a lot of guards in the top 100. Um, And also there's a possibility. It's like, Hey, George Fitzpatrick really popped and Tegra Shibola was ready. Those are the tackles. And Luke Montgomery Mm -hmm. is going to fight to start at guard in year two. You know, that's where some of this, you know, you could get some help if the tackles really solidify all of a sudden, maybe you're helping yourself with the interior collectively. 
So, so Steven, you would be a yes. Nathan, you'd be a no on the interior offensive line. I, I would be a no. I'm just trying to, I mean, okay. Apply the same kind of logic to maybe the defensive line where like Luke Montgomery was a ranked where he is, but they don't think he'll stick it in. He probably has to move inside and then everybody else is only a top 200 guy and you don't have a high, again, we're, 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 these most of these guys are guys we haven't actually seen play at the college level, so we have to project. I don't think we'd be talking about that as being good enough. I don't think we'd be talking about the linebacker group yeah, but as being good enough. And this I think is that's apples to oranges, though. I don't, I don't know if that's why are we? Why would we apply a lesser well, standard to the offensive well, but, line than any other position group? I mean, the, the one I there's there's fewer guys like on the offensive, on the, especially interior. I think who are ranked higher so it's like we, we don't have their yeah. position rankings so just raw rankings i think there's just more edge guys who are in the top 100 but ohio so, state always has those guys no, no I, a, I, again so, these last four years i mean comparing it to ohio state's own standard when you look at the interior offensive line guys they're not as highly ranked as luke whipler or matthew jones or donovan jackson or harry miller or paris johnson who wound up playing inside they're not those are the guys, Wyatt Davis, Josh Myers, those guys, those are the guys who have played inside for Ohio State lately, and they're all ranked higher than any of these guys are. Like, that is true. That is true. I think it's close. If the tackles were, like, if one of the groups were stronger and you almost felt like, well, we're strong enough here that we can help at the other group, I think that would be good. I think they're both kind of questionable, and so we're looking at 10 names. Can five of them be ready to start in 2024? I don't, but, I don't but, know. I don't know. Ready to well, start again. I don't think ready. No, to start. I know. Well, I mean, they have to, to be people right. literally have to start, but like, will they, will you feel good about it? Like you do right now. I mean, it's like, Hey, Oh, Ohio state, you know, they lost uh, two really good offensive linemen and they're having to shuffle some guys around, but you look at it and it's like, Oh, well, who are going to be the two new starters on the offensive line this year? It's like, well, one of them is a fourth-year guy who was a top 100 recruit who was their sixth offensive lineman last year, and when he played, he was really good. And the other one is a five-star recruit that Kevin Wilson keeps saying is the second-best offensive line prospect he's ever been around. So we're, nobody has any questions about Matthew Jones and Donovan Jackson as first-year starters. We don't. Nobody Now, we have a lot of questions about who's six, seven, eight, but we're not even talking about six, seven, eight. We're talking about the top five. In 2024, going into camp, will we have the same degree of certainty with returning starters and then belief in the guys who haven't started yet based on their pedigree slash what they've shown in their time here? I, I think maybe we won't. While, yes, they've had the five stars, but those five stars have also been paired with guys who were not five stars and really in like the three hundreds guys like there Munford, Brandon Bowen, who was a really lowly rated guy as well. And so it, you have, maybe this is the way be too much math, but when you average out what these offensive lines has been, it's been a top 200 player when you average all that out instead of just well, having a top 200 player at every single spot. But, but, but how that, many times, but how many times if they had five starting offensive linemen, weren't there at least like two guys that were top 100 recruits, sometimes three, I mean, we're, we're talking about 10 guys yeah. here. One of them's a top 100 recruit and Shabola is 104, but like, there's, there's not, that's the thing. Like, and I know like Nathan, you laugh and it's like, well, you throw one five-star in here and it changes everything. But like, 
it, if you threw one more guy that's like, he's going to be ready to start. Like there's no, it would be a miss of, of, of a surprising miss. If this guy wasn't yeah. ready to start, you throw one more five-star in here and knock everybody down a peg and it yeah. starts to sort itself out. Yeah. Steven, you're right. There are guys there, are, especially on the offensive line. There are always guys who develop a, and, and play to a level far above their recruiting ranking. But as you look at this and you think about starters in 2024, they need like three or four guys to do that. They don't need one or two because there aren't yeah. as many sure things as we sit here now, as we sit here now. And let's get into camp. And if Tegra Shibola is knocking every defensive lineman on the roster on his butt every day, and it's like, oh, that guy, is that guy going to be ready to start in 2024? What are we talking about? I think he'd be ready to play right now if they needed to. We may be there halfway through camp, right? But we're acknowledging yeah. we're doing this in July and we're not there yet, but this is a recruiting it's the exercise. One group, it is, but it is the one group where you almost wish we had seen a practice at camp. Every other group, you can kind of just do this exercise, I, but you're right. That's why we're doing this in July where we haven't seen anybody yet. We're just going off of recruiting. And it's one of those things, like the safety room was helped by the fact that Kai Stokes was ranked in the 300s, but Kai Stokes has been here and people are like, that guy's a dude. He hasn't, mm -hmm. all he's done is go through spring football, but we, mm -hmm. we sort of threw Kai Stokes, who's ranked in the three hundreds into the group of, Oh yeah, no, I think he'll be able to help them in three years. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that we have anybody like that, that we would apply that to with this group of offensive linemen. And if we had done this three years ago, I don't think we would have been talking about Dewan Jones as like a sure thing at right tackle. Mm -hmm. It would have been this lottery ticket that's hanging in the background of all of these other things that are very almost sure things. Look at the rest of this offensive line. You got two guys who in their recruiting class were considered maybe pound for pound, the best football player in that class or one of them in Jackson yeah. and, and Johnson mm -hmm. and Luke Whipley was just outside the top 100 and Jones, who was a yeah. top 75, 70, 80 guy. I mean, and is a, is a, is a proven veteran now. And then you've got the lottery ticket on the end, who is a very, very special case, who is incomparable to anybody on this roster, this paper roster that we're putting together for 2024. I just, again, I'm just, just judging by the Ohio State standard, as we do when we do these exercises, I'm still on the no side of the fence. And I don't have Miles Walker on this list because he's a, he's a guy who would be in his third year by, by this point. Dewan Jones started in year three. Right. And he was literally and Miles Walker is the late tackle they got who mm -hmm. his, his recruiting accelerated incredibly in the last few months before he committed to Ohio state. But again, if miles Walker is your, is one of your starting tackles in his third year in the program for a team that's trying to win a national championship, sort of based on what he is right now, that would be a great surprise. It's not impossible, but I just didn't put a guy in the nine hundreds, like the same. Yeah. The same. Well, he's in the four hundreds, but yeah, same. And then y'all, I don't think you mentioned Avery Henry who would, literally right. be the Dewan Jones experiment here. Big right. dude in the 700s who like they got late and they're taking a flyer on. Yeah. So it's one of those things. And it is, it's just the difference of are your flyers absolute bonuses or are your flyers guys are like, man, we really, oh, I hope that guy, I mean, I hope that guy hits because if he doesn't, I don't know what we're going to do. Did, did like uh, Walker and Henry have like one combined division one basketball scholarship offer between and, them. And, that, and, and that's why we're talking about a different, different kind of athlete. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's like Dewan Jones is somehow both. He's the bonus and the thank God he's here because yeah, if he wasn't here, who's Ohio state starting right tackle right now. 
And it's one of those things, even Thayer, Thayer wasn't ranked as high, but Thayer was like trying yeah. to get some stuff straightened out academically. And a lot of people were yeah. like, hey, like if this guy, if everything gets sorted out, and obviously he had a complicated path to get here and turns out to be like a great Buckeye, but talent, mm-hmm. there weren't a ton of people who were like, I don't know if Thayer Munford can get here. It's like, let's just get everything else straightened out. And then if he gets here, I think he has a chance to be pretty good. So again, even I don't know that any of these lower rated guys are, are quite on the Thayer Munford path either. So I think we'll wind up with two no's on the offensive line where, again, I don't know that it's impending disaster. Justin Fry just has some work to do. He's He's got to develop some guys. And that's why he's here. And that's why they changed offensive line coaches. And then also let's see a five-star or two in 2024. Not that you're going to count on them to start, right, as true freshmen in 2024. That's never anybody's plan. But they've got – they have they could use a guy or two because – now. but the other part of this too is like they are going to be kind of veteran by now because like a lot of these guys who are all – we're talking about now, like they're, they're all the same guys who are going to be asked to be part of the answer in 2023 because mm-hmm. if – if DeWand is gone and Paris is gone and Matthew Jones is gone, I guess Whipple will probably still be here, you know, but it's like, they're going to, they're going to need a bunch of these guys all with a year less experience to pop in 23. So at least uh, some of the guys who are question marks are, you know, there's two fifth year guys, two fourth year guys and three third year guys that we were talking about here. At least they're going to have some guys who've been around a while, potentially. Speaking of Luke Whipple, this is your five for him. Could he just be like a four-year starting center here? Because it's not like center, unless we think he's Linderbaum or something. Like, could he just be a four-year starting center? I mean, I guess I don't. I'm trying. You know, like Billy Price did it. Billy mm-hmm. Price and came back for year. Then was a first-round pick and was a four-year starter. I just don't know that I can assume Luke Whipler like plays every snap in 21, every snap in 22, every snap in 23. And then it's like, yeah, let's let's come back because I need to prove more of what I am. Or, you know, if they lose in the national championship game and Luke Whippler wants to come back for that's possible. Mm -hmm. It's worth bringing up because it is logistically possible. But and it's also not quite the same as saying like, well, I guess Jack Sawyer and JT could be back. (laughs) I guess they could. But, you know, so, Luke, I understand what you're saying there, Stephen. and, And there have been some guys who have chosen to do that. Boy, that would be a bonus. But also, it's a little bit like, well, if he's not here, maybe Padilla just slides in and is ready to start in year two. And if he is here, mm-hmm. then Padilla's his backup. And maybe, I mean, it's not as, you know, it, he doesn't automatically solve everything because then you yeah. still got four other guys. But mm-hmm. it would be quite helpful and it would be possible. Okay. Yeah, that alone wouldn't push me to a good enough. In the end, we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight groups that we said were good enough. Safety, linebacker, and defensive tackle, and then quarterback, running back, receiver, and tight end. And we had four groups that we said were not good enough. Interior offensive line, tackles on the offensive line, corner, and defensive end. So (laughs) So the positions you need to be good at to win a national championship. Corner, defensive end, and offensive tackle. I mean, it's one of those things like the guys with the ball is, I guess, with seven that were good enough, seven good enough, four not good enough. The guys with the ball in their hands, they're usually going to be okay. It's I also voted no on the offensive line or the running back, though. The running backs, but that's like, it's, it, can I it's, be honest with you? 
this sounds a lot like the 2021 team. And that's why I keep joking about it. But if the recruiting doesn't get better, Ohio State's going to turn into Lincoln. Ryan Day's going to turn into Lincoln Riley. And it's just going to be a seven on 17. It's it's it is an interesting thing to think about. I think it's not that it's not that yet. It's not. It's not a fair comparison right now. But if you peer off into the distance, you could see how we get there if they are not Mm -hmm. careful. And if they don't get get better, but, you know, they have three new defensive coaches, including one guy making $2 million a year. So, like, they're, they're trying to address it. You know, this is – they didn't try to get Alex Grinch to come fix this. Like, they went and got the best guy they could. But they've got to recruit. They've got to recruit. And their best recruiter – best known quantity as a recruiter on the defensive side of the ball is the oldest guy. And at some point and, – and – we had a chance for Jim Knowles, and this is more the home run discussion than the podcast. We'll do this podcast next week. There have been opportunities in the last two months for Jim Knowles or Perry Aliano or Tim Walton to get a kid and plant a flag and have everybody be like, yes, and it hasn't happened. It doesn't mean it's never going to happen, but that door remains open because we don't have proof mm-hmm. of concept yet. And listen, they just got here. That's why nobody should freak out. But they had up, you know, if Tackett Curtis was here or Caleb Downs was here or AJ Harris was here, we'd be having a different conversation. But we have Mm -hmm. to have this conversation because we don't have the proof yet. We'll continue to have these recruiting conversations. We'll continue to talk about the Buckeyes. Double checking again. This is your Thursday pod. We're getting up a little bit late. Nathan, when does stuff start next week? August 3rd is report date. August 4th is the first practice that's thursday thursday morning i was told that we should get a viewing window at practice so we may be giving you guys a pod like you know um recap of what we saw that morning and then august 7th will be the the goofy move-in date see what weird things people are wearing and uh dewan jones's turtle or whatever he has this year that sort of stuff so again a great time to try the texts because stuff's about to start popping 614 350-3315 for now. For Stephen Means, for Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Yeah. <laughs>